Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host Justin Baker joining me via the Skype. Uh, Justin, how's it going? Good, good. By the way, you sound very sexy. By the oh, way. Wow. oh, all right, perfect. Yes, I. It's funny. I have two condenser mics that have been in their boxes since we started recording the show because I was convinced that the dynamic mics would sound better. And the one time I plugged these in, I had a hard time figuring them out the best way they needed to sound. And now I'm convinced that both need to be out and the other ones need to be put away for other uses. So, (laughs) so hopefully the sound quality increases, uh, always trying to make the show sound better for you, the listener. And so, uh, thanks for putting up with garbage audio for a minute, just for like 111 episodes, just terrible, (laughs) terrible. No, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. Um, so on today's show, we want to talk about a few things. Of course, uh, you know, there's there were some trades a few, you know a week ago, and uh, we're starting to already have some fallout from these trades. Uh, we'll talk Adam McQuaid and the Columbus Blue Jackets and everything that is Jonathan Tortorella, and uh, we'll also talk a little bit. Maybe we'll throw out some uh, thoughts on John Tavares going back to the Islanders. We haven't we haven't had a show since this happened, and of course his return to Toronto and. Uh, and the giant circle jerk that happened there the night afterwards. Uh, and I, I think ultimately where we're going to land are the coaches that should be fired before the end of the season or the ones that will be fired shortly after the season is over. Um, I think at this point, we're probably all set. <laughs> probably not too many coaches get fired with 15 games left to go, but uh, anything's possible. But let's let's first start with the, the Tavares to the Islanders. And uh, and Justin, I want to get your thoughts first as as a an outsider looking in at this whole thing. What what did you think? Positive, negative? You know, give us your thoughts. Well, my uh, my first reaction was seeing the clip of the the fan who just literally yes, Tavares is going off the ice after that that beating that Toronto took and uh, chucks the jersey at him, which I, I found kind of comical. I. I never understood when fans, especially like, you know, it's been happening a lot more recently with the Edmonton Oilers, right? A lot of a lot of jersey throwing onto the ice, just sick of losing or whatever. I never understood that because you're paying $150 for these jerseys and fans just like, oh, whatever. I'm, at I least. Guy I'm throwing. Yeah, at, at least $150. Although if you buy it from China, maybe that's, uh, you, know, you can get those, those $30, $40 jerseys from <laughs> like DH Gate or Ali, Baba, whatever. I can't remember what those sites are. But uh, yeah, I, I agree, though. I mean, you're throwing money at a guy. Uh, but but if it's caught on video, like that guy has a video that, I mean, if the background of your phone could be a video, I would have that. If that was me, I would have that on my phone for the rest of my life as my video. Like, there you go. <laughs> you know, I want that. That's that's the, the GIF. You know, you look it up at the GIF. When you look up your name, that pops up. I would be okay yeah. with that. That would be kind of fun. Yeah, for sure. You know what? I honestly, I, I think as an, from an Islanders perspective, you're happy you put a beat down on the the Maple Leafs because one, you're just saying, hey, you know what? We don't, we didn't need this guy to be successful, right? You know, we we're we're sitting in first place. I well, last time I looked, anyways, uh, uh, they're, they're second, but second yeah. place. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, you're sitting up there. You know, playoff team. You, you're. You're feeling pretty secure about your position. I mean, at least better than they did when they they had John Tavares, anyways. And uh, you know, from a Maple Leaf standpoint, I I think you know you got to be pretty happy with Tavares so far. You can't be really disappointed. So yeah, I mean, uh, 
let's let's break this down for a minute. Barry Trotz is with the Islanders last year. The Islanders make the playoffs and are probably an even better team than they are right now. Yeah, I agree. So, Absolutely. I, I mean, it's it's stupid to say we don't need you. You're, you're right. There there are other factors involved. They no team needs any single player. I mean, look at the Edmonton Oilers. They don't need Connor McDavid. <laughs> they would <laughs> they would still be bad if they didn't have Connor McDavid. I mean, at the, at this point, there's a lot of players that teams could not have that guy and they could still produce because one player doesn't make an entire team. Uh, but I honestly, I just the my take on the Islander side was it was the the like you just got a divorce and you you show up at I don't know you have to come to some sort of family event because you have kids or something and and just, let's say everyone's Christmas. just talking talking crap to you because you know they they're disappointed because it was your decision to leave and that's that's fine but you know what you're happy just just go be happy on your own i get it let it all out now it's out there i did i did like the the trader with the 91 in the middle and the tor at the end uh (laughs) that that was just there was some creative creative uh pieces out there so i i didn't mind that i i did find it a little cheesy, you know. John Tavares comes back the following game to Toronto, and and the the fans are all cheering him on. He's standing at the blue line by himself. The spotlights on him, and people are just going nuts. And uh, it was it just it was kind of cool, but at the same time, is just I mean, this is kind of the path you chose, and you you make a you make eleven million dollars a year. So, well, you are a, you were, you know, it's not, to, not to say he's not a human, but, uh, this is the life you signed up for. Like if you, if you don't want to be famous, don't, don't go be in the NHL. Cause you're going to be, especially if you're good, you're going to be famous to some extent. Even if you're not good, you can be famous. Look at Sean Avery. Yeah, no, it's very true. I mean, it, it's, it's like celebrities when, when they come out and they're just, they complain about always having their pictures taken all the time or fans coming up to them. Right. It's like, well, if you didn't want to be famous, or if you didn't want this life, why'd you be famous? You knew this was going to happen, right, going into it. I mean, it's just, I don't feel sorry for you at all. Right, and then you've got Jerome McGinley, who long retired, you know, well, it's been a long, long time since he's played in Calgary. He goes back, of course, for his jersey being hung in the rafters, and it was tweeted out that he was, after 1 a.m. in Calgary, was out signing autographs for people. That's stayed awesome. all night long just signing autographs, which is, I mean, that just, there's a guy who embraced being a star and he, and he embraced the city and, and that's the way that, that it should be. And so, you know, it's, but if, if a guy leaves now, again, was a little different. Again, left because he was basically forced out. Of course they hire Brian Burke in December and they trade him at the trade deadline. So, you know, Brian Burke did a lot of great things. Oh wait, no, no, he, no, he didn't. <laughs> Brian Burke won one Stanley Cup, and it he won it the year after their previous GM was fired. It was almost all the previous GM's draft picks, and he just happened to win the Cup. He did make that trade for Pronger. I'll give him that. Well, I he, guess that was a big deal for Anaheim when they won the Cup. But <laughs> uh, okay, let's let's go on to uh, to greener pastures. Let's what what do we want to hit here? Let's let's just hit this Adam McQuaid situation. You, I know you mentioned that you hadn't heard anything, so. I'm going to give you the the first crack on hearing this. Adam McQuaid 
is being benched because John Tortorella believes that he's too slow and can't keep up with the Blue Jackets game. And go. Dude, I you have to know Adam McQuaid's game before you even bring him in the lineup, right? And I, Speedster. I suspect, what? Speedster. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definitely Speedster, right? That's what my scout told me. <laughs> so... I, you have to imagine that at some point, you know, a couple weeks before the trade deadline, right? You know, GM and coach, they all sit down, every team, and at least discuss the possibility, hey, is this guy worth taking a shot at? Can we go after him, right? There's got to be some internal discussion. It's not just all, hey, we're going to blindside you, coach, and bring in a guy that maybe you just, you know, probably won't fit your system or maybe you hate or have a bad relationship with, whatever, right? Tortorella knew that there was a possibility McQuaid could come back to Columbus because I'm sure at some point, too, like, you know, he, he probably said, hey, we're going to go all in. We're going to try to go out and get, you know, some big name guys at the deadline. We're going to we're going to bring in the top, you know, another top defenseman. We're going to get everyone. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was pretty much at the top of the list in terms of D-men available. I mean, honestly, let's let's be clear about that. So um, I, I it shocks me. I mean, that Tortorella would bring him. I mean, would I don't I don't necessarily say that maybe he you know, said, hey, go out and get McQuaid, you know, because maybe, you know, they have a history together. I don't know where from, but, um, yeah, it's it's still a little shocking to me. I mean, you have to know that McQuaid coming in, he's going to be a little slow, right? So, you know, I, where's the shocker? Where's the surprise here from Tortorella? Said, if you were going to bench him because he was slow, you should have just done it from game one. kind of think that's kind of a cop-out excuse in my opinion, but. Yeah, uh, let's let's use this as a transition into the bulk of the show talking about head coaches being fired. And is there anyone more on the hot seat than John Tortorella in the NHL in terms of teams that are disappointing right now? I don't think there's one that is offering up greater disappointment. Boy, no, I, I wouldn't disagree with you. And I think now it's even harder to make an excuse for you to keep your job when you've been given the tools now at the deadline that he's been given, right? You get to Zingle, Duchesne, so now you've loaded up at the front end. You kept Panera and you kept Barbrowski. You didn't unload these guys. Uh, whether you could have got a King's Ransom back or peanuts for him or, at all, you're saying, hey, Torch, we're going to give you the pieces to be successful. We need you to go out and win a playoff round because we've never done it before. And even Vegas, their first year went out and did it. We 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 got to get something here for the fans. We got to win a round, say we're making progress. We're We're getting there, you know? Yeah, at least they play New Jersey next, so that should be three points. It should be. <laughs> three. It should be three points. That's how many. You should just get three points every time you beat New Jersey. <laughs> oh, yeah, I the the way I see it, you know, Carolina, I mean, they're they're going to leave the the Blue Jackets in the dust the way they're playing. I mean, they've won oh five goodness. straight. They're eight and two in their last ten. They, they've only lost, what, six games since mid-December in regulation, something like that. They're it's, just scoring goals. Yeah, they're they're playing fantastic. I mean, they're they have played a, a a certain style the last three months that has just allowed them to utilize their speed and their yeah. I mean, I commend them. It, it's good to see you know Bill Peters leaves Carolina and goes to Calgary, and they bring in Rod Brindamore and a new ownership comes in. It's good to see something working for both teams. You know, it, it's really a great situation. Carolina and Calgary bring in new coaches, and now both teams are are towards the top or at the top of their division. And uh, it's 
Carolina is probably the most fun, interesting team out there right now. Uh, maybe they're on on par with the Maple Leafs in terms of you know what they could be if when they hit their stride. You know, earlier in the season, scoring all those goals. Uh, I mean, that first round matchup, Toronto Boston. It's it's almost almost certain that that's what it's going to be. And I don't think there's going to be a better first round series uh, unless Washington plays Pittsburgh. Then it'll be <laughs> that'll be an interesting first round too. But I mean, I I just I don't think you're getting a better first round than Toronto Boston, two teams that all really could go all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals, or they you know one of them's going to lose in the first round. <laughs> Maybe it happens the same way as last year, and you go play Tampa and you and you don't make it out of the second. But uh, it's. It's looking to me that Columbus, they're, they're going to need to find their stride in quick because two points, you can make that up in a night. Obviously, they have a game in hand right now. They win that game. They jump Montreal and they jump Pittsburgh. But you lose a couple more and you're four points. You, even five points out is almost a death wish at this point. I think I read that teams six or more points out of the playoffs at the trade deadline in the last 15 years, do you know how many teams have made the playoffs? I'd guess two. One. Okay. One team. And so, I mean, you got you got to look with 20 with 18, 17 games left for these teams. If you're 5 points out, it's it's going to be very difficult. So, I mean, they need to keep pace here and obviously nice when you get to play a couple of these uh, you know, kind of bottom feeder teams, especially these teams have traded everyone away. <laughs> So, I mean, Ottawa still managed to beat Florida, which is uh, sad for Florida. But uh, let's talk about some of these some of these lesser teams. Who who do you have outside of Columbus for a coach that looks like they may be gone? I, I want you to name the team. Give me the percentage chance that you think that they'll be fired mid season or like during the season or after the season. Uh, I want to hear your percentages of those. Okay. Okay. Uh, first, first team, I will name um, Toronto. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no way. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd probably have to look at the Pittsburgh Penguins and Mike Sullivan. I I think there's probably a two percent chance that he gets fired uh, mid season. But honestly, I, I I look at this team and they they almost have. Uh, they're starting to go a little downward trend, right? You've you've seen every year since they they were the hot, you know, cup winners a few years ago, and uh, it almost seems like they've been trending downward every year, right? Um, and this year they're just barely hanging on to a wild card spot. You know, they've got Columbus right on their heels. Um, they, they they just got kicked out of the the Metro here uh, by Carolina, who's playing so well right now, um, six two and two in their last ten, which is great. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, because as long as you have Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Kessel, I, I don't think you've got too much to worry about. But and, and a big uh, win against Montreal, a, a torching of, of the Canadians, a five-one yes. win. That I mean, those are the games that you have to win. You know that those are the ones that put you over the top, and so they, they were able to hang on. They at very least, this team knows how to win those big games, and so yeah, I. I would agree with you with the mid season. It's not going to happen because uh, I mean, unless Pittsburgh goes and loses 10 in a row, it's not going to happen. Uh, how yes. do you think that they have to advance so far in the playoffs or is this just a matter of, 
you know, season's going to end. And unless they do something pretty significant in the playoffs, they might try and, and reshape something. How much of the coach do you really think is the factor as opposed to personnel? No, I, I do think it does have a little bit to do with personnel. And I say, I, I think he would be, Mike Sullivan would be in trouble if they don't make the playoffs. I think it's a 50-50 shot at this point if they don't make the playoffs that he'll be replaced. Because Rutherford, again, he's not one to, uh, he's not afraid to make the big move, right? So uh, wouldn't shock me if he makes the big move behind the bench. However, I do think Sullivan is a little, his hands are a little tied when you look at some of the personnel he does have, right? He doesn't have, you know, the marquee names on the fence, right? He's got Latang, but after that, there's not really much to be excited about, right? Uh, Schultz can't seem to stay healthy. And then, of course, you've got to rely on guys like, you know, Jack Johnson back there. And it's like, OK, well, big whoop de doo They could have Hainsey uh, back. <laughs> very well He's a, uh, you know, this is this is my thought on Pittsburgh. I, I'm going to say there's there's a zero percent chance he gets fired in the season. And I, I would say that it's about a five percent that he's fired in the offseason. Just for this fact, you got to you look a year ago, they lost to the Stanley Cup champions in was it six or seven games. Six games. Six games. Yeah. Uh, they they had beat them them the year before, and and the year before that, right? Two years in a row. Oh they yeah. Beat them. Yep. So so in my mind, last year was, I mean, are you really gonna think of the times that a team has beat a team three years in a row in the playoffs? I I, don't, I mean I don't off the top of my head I don't know how many times that has happened. Uh, I think that the Leafs beat the Senators three times in a row in the playoffs. Not three years in a row, but three times in a row within enough time where it was mostly the same team, uh, maybe like th- three and five years or something like that. But to me, he's secure because if they go and miss the playoffs, you're going to go, all right, there's something wrong here. We, we don't have the right personnel. We've had goalie issues all year long. And so I think that he gets that opportunity to, to rewrite the ship because he has been so successful and he has been able to take players who maybe you wouldn't necessarily look at and go, yeah, that's going to be a guy who scores 30 goals or 20 goals. And he can take those guys like a, like a Brian Russ, like a Jake Getzel, like Connor Sheary, who's not there anymore. And, and these guys that they took on the Stanley cup runs, and so I, th- I think he has another shot for next year, unless unless there's there's some strange, you know, friction in the relationship between Rutherford and him. I, I just I don't see him getting fired, uh, barring you know, and barring something pretty cataclysmic like if uh, Sidney Crosby saying I want him fired, <laughs> which I don't okay. think he's that guy. Yeah, no, I don't I don't think Crosby's that guy either. I think. He- um, yeah, so another team on my list, I would probably say that their head coach would be on the hot seat in my mind. And I actually didn't think he was going to last the year because I predicted this team to pretty much fall out of playoff contention. And they've been skating on the ice, been a bubble team for most of the year. Uh, that's the Minnesota Wild and Boost Brujo. Um, I, I would probably be the same. I would put it at like a 1% chance he gets fired mid, you know, in season. But I do think with the new GM in there, Mr. Fenton, uh, he's looking to make some big changes to this team. And, you know, I, I think Bruce could be a casualty of that. No fault of his, but... Well, he uh, just doesn't play the kind of game I, I think that Paul Fenton is looking to play. No, I, I would agree with that as well. And I think, you know, they're going to start seeing a bunch of personnel changes in terms of the, the players that they want to bring in. You know, you just... I mean, we just saw it. They went out and got rid of Granlin, brought in Donato. 
Um, so there's a, a big change right there. You, you've seen some some big names taken, I, uh, you know, leaving town. So can I? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out another team. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche. I think Jared Bednar needs to go. Uh, there's it's clear that there's there's something going on. I know that McKinnon after they had their spat on the bench, he came out and was like, "We know we love him. It's it's all good." Uh, sure, I, I don't buy it. Uh, and and even if they like him, doesn't really matter. There's plenty of players that like their coach, and the coach gets fired. Uh, this team, to me, there's much higher expectations. They were expected to grow from last year. They they really didn't lose anything from last year. They they really only added. Granted, some of those pieces haven't worked out, like a Grubauer, uh, and and goaltending has been a little shaky. But they've I mean, they've had no trouble scoring goals. It's really just that top line. But I just Jared Bednar to me, he he could be let go, and if, if he is, I'm going to give it a twenty percent chance that Bednar is fired in the off season. If Boudreaux's fired, I think Boudreaux would be a great fit for Colorado because he he plays that high octane like up tempo type of offense. He he could really, I mean, he worked wonders with uh, he. You know, Alexander Ovechkin had had I I think his his best year with Bruce Boudreaux as his head coach. Uh, so I, I think you could see some, you know, some flashes of that. He knows how to coach very high end players, and that's something that Minnesota has been missing the whole time that he's there. He doesn't have those those real high end guys. Eric Stahl was at one point, not anymore. Um, maybe has some higher end defensemen, but Zach Parise was a high end guy, but really since Bruce Boudreaux got there, he's been hurt. I, I think he'd be a great fit in Colorado or Edmonton. I think he could do a great job coaching Connor McDavid too. Ooh. Okay. I, I do like that. Uh, another team for you that I think could see a, a switch behind the bench would be the Florida Panthers and Bob Bugner. Um, this is a team where management has been just in chaos since they got rid of uh, what's his face Gerard, Gerard Gallant. Gallant, yeah. yeah, and um, so again, this is a team that I expected to contend for a playoff spot, you know, a wild card spot at least this season. And they went on a hot streak, you know, end of last year, and really showed that they had, you know, the talent to do it. <clears throat> and they've just fallen short. They have all the right pieces in place. When you look at that roster, the team they have up there, you know, Keith Yandel. Uh, you know, Barkoff, Hoffman, they have all the, the right pieces in place where you look at this team and you say, hey, they should be in the playoffs. And they've just, they've fallen short for a couple of years now. And, uh, you know, coaching change would not surprise me at all, especially if they go and they try to make a, a big splash and bring in a guy like Panarin, you know, in the offseason, maybe, you know, a new head coach. And with that would reignite this team maybe to where they need to be. Well, you know what they say, show me a good goalie and I'll show you a good coach. There you go. I love that. Yeah. And uh, Florida has the... I, I, they're second last in the East in terms of goals against, and there's only one team in the West with more. So they're they're what 29th in terms of goals against, and that is due to the fact that Luongo's been hurt. You've had you've seen a steady dose of James Reimer. Even Reimer's been hurt at times. The Florida Panthers have not had any luck in terms of their goaltending, and. We're going to find out this offseason. Does this team bring in Artemi Panarin and, and Bobrovsky, which is, you know, a lot of rumors are out there. Even if they just bring in Bobrovsky, I think you could see Bugner hanging on to his job for one more year if, they, if they're going, all right, I mean, we're having no trouble scoring. You know, out of all playoff, all teams outside the playoffs, uh, they have more goals than all of them. On top of that, I mean, they have more goals than four of the eight playoff teams in there right now. So they're, they're having no trouble scoring goals. It's just, 
their goaltending has been has been very bad. Yeah, they're they're a team that could definitely use uh, an infusion of a different system. I feel like, right? I think you know. Again, we we talked about the talent they they have back there on, on D, and I think you know maybe it's just it's just not working for them, right? I, I you know who knows, but a big name that pops into mind, I think you know, and I'm wondering where and if he does sign anywhere in the off season is a Joel Quinville, right? Yeah, I just I I have trouble seeing him going from the market of Chicago to that of the Florida Panthers. Granted, did Dale Talon hire Joel Quinville in Chicago? I think he did. Yeah, I think yeah, he did. So I think you're right. Yeah, there there is that connection. So that's not a bad thought. Not a bad thought. Maybe a little wild card for Joel Quinville. Uh, if hey, who wouldn't like living in the Miami Sun? Let's be honest. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I I agree. That's it'd be a a good place for him. Uh, I, I wonder too, if he wanted some proximity, like, like staying in the Eastern conference, if maybe, you know, obviously there was some rumors of Philadelphia, uh, initially, maybe a Columbus would be a place that Joel Quinville could go. I don't know if he'll go to a team that can't seem to hang on anybody. Uh, but if Joel Quinville goes to Columbus, maybe Panarin stays in Columbus. I don't know. Um, let's let's go to some maybe some uh, some teams down at the bottom. I, I'm wondering about the Detroit Red Wings because Jeff Blaschel has been their coach now for three years, I believe. A uh, four four years. Four years. Right? This is his fourth season uh, ever since Mike Babcock left, of course. And some of the thought process when they brought him in was that he's been the coach of the Grand Rapids Griffins, their AHL team, and. Uh, now he's coming up and he's able to follow some of these players onto the pro roster. He knows them and he's developed them and he can continue that development. Well, the team retools, I think as they were hoping they'd retool, but now they're in, I'd say they're in full rebuild mode looking for that lottery pick in the next draft. If you're, if the wings are lucky enough to get Hughes, honestly, I hope that they get Hughes. I, I don't want Ottawa to, to hit the lottery and then Colorado gets Hughes. I, I want Detroit to get Hughes. I think that it would be really fun to be able to have a superstar player here. I, I'm not a Wings fan, but I live here, so I'd love to be able to go watch a good player play uh, a very high-end guy. I think that's that's always fun. So I, I hope the Red Wings get it. But do you think that Jeff Blaschel is the guy who's going to take this team forward, or is is he just you know a, a fill-in until they get good and they're going to fire him and bring somebody else in? Maybe Boy. Joel Quinville. <laughs> well, okay. So there's already talk right now from, uh, I've been hearing from the Detroit Free Press that, uh, you know, Kenny Holland's been saying, hey, we're going to try to work out an extension with Blashill come the offseason, right? And I, 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 I think about that. I'm like, well, pump the brakes here a little bit, Kenny, because one, um, you know, what I'm interested in seeing first is what happens with, with Kenny Holland, right? Are the Wings going to try to bump him upstairs and bring in Steve Eisenman in the offseason like everybody seems to think is going to happen? And, and I'll be honest, I kind of think it's going to happen too. Um, so if that happens, you know, is Blaschel Steve Eisenman's guy, right? And in my opinion, I don't think that Blaschel is going to be Steve Eisenman's guy. I think, um, you know, while Steve Eisenman's not afraid to take a risk on younger coaches like he did with John Cooper – I just I think what we've seen out of Blackshell these last four seasons is just not good enough for me, right? You know, you talk about one of the the big key things that that I've heard in the free press is that Holland likes the way he's developed these younger guys, and I look at the way he's developed the younger guys, and I say, okay, 
take take outside of Dylan Larkin, right? Because I th- I think Larkin was a good enough talent that he really would have developed naturally on his own, anyways, right? You don't you didn't need that much coaching, maybe a little bit, but uh, you look at a guy like Anthony Seu, Manta, even Danny DeKaiser, who's you know a, a little bit older but still was young at the time when when Blash was brought in here, and these guys have not really developed at at the speed in which I figured they could have. I I figured Anthony Seu could have been a you know, a solid number two center by now. Um, you know, Manta should easily be a 25 goal scorer, but he seems to be having trouble scoring goals every, you know, the last couple seasons now. And uh, same with Danny DeKaiser. He, you know, they signed him to this big deal because he looked like he was going to bloom into the next Nicholas Cronwall, you know, type defenseman, 50 point guy. And he just, he isn't going to be that defenseman now in the NHL. And I think that does have a lot to do with, you know, not only the, the players around them, but also, you know, the coaching. And I, to me, I just don't think Blashill is the answer here in Detroit. Yeah, I would say that when it comes to those players that you named off, some of it is overhyping those guys. Those guys were, were have gotten more ice time maybe than they deserve. Uh, they were for you know, Mantha was a first round pick, and uh, I, I don't. I, I think that Mantha's still fine. I think he's a fine player. I think that he could be a fifty point guy. Uh, on a consistent basis, but I think that's probably about where his ceiling will end up being, which we've kind of been fed a little bit more that he could be, you know, a top line winger and, and this, this prototypical power forward type of guy with who has speed. And to me, this is a case not of Jeff Blashill doing a poor coaching job. Uh, although he has gotten, he's had to learn his lessons in terms of matchup matching and, and maybe some line combinations, I think that the Red Wings were okay with allowing him to grow as a coach. You know, nobody was expecting him to come in and be the best coach in the NHL right away. Of course. Uh, But I do think that there has been some overvaluing of certain players. And there's been this idea that as long as we let players ripen long enough, they'll be what we want them to be. And that just hasn't really, that, that was the case. And, once teams started, you know, once the salary cap really started rolling and, and now you need to have these younger guys come up quicker, uh, there's been a, a less of a focus on let's let these guys ripen. You know, one or two years is fair. But the Red Wings, before, I mean, there were there were guys, what, Tatar really wasn't a regular until he was 22, 23 years old. Maybe, oh, yeah. Maybe older, 24. And so it's... Uh, it, it's changed, and I know that the I'm certain that the Red Wings know that as well. It's just there hasn't been the same high end talent. They haven't been as good at drafting guys. Honestly, I think that ever since Jim Nill left and went to Dallas, uh, you're seeing that talent. He was he was their head scout. You know, the assistant GM. I, I know him personally. He was he was the guy who was going and scouting. Uh, so he's he was making those decisions. And you look at now, Jim Nill may not be the best general manager as a whole, but he's a damn good scout. You look at Miro Heiskanen and John Klingberg, these these players that he's taken, not necessarily at the top of the draft either, who have come in and, and been really nice players for them. The Red Wings don't have that. They had that when they had Jim Nill. And so I think Steve, I think you're right. Steve Eiserman has to come in here. He needs to revamp the scouting staff. And, and maybe it's not even revamping the scouting staff. It's uh, that mindset and the culture and what we're looking for. Maybe there's some guys who can see what they're looking for, and maybe they need to bring in some of their some new faces to that. Uh, but I, I, I can see Blashill lasting, 
you know, another year. He'll he'll probably get next year, and if if they don't show a marked improvement, then he'll he'll be gone. Yeah, that's that's fair to say. Uh, let's go one more team, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out an interesting one to you. Where do you think the Winnipeg Jets are if they can't make it out of the second round? Ooh, I was just about to say, I think this is a team that needs to Paul go Maurice. to the conference finals, right? Round three. Uh, yeah, Paul Maurice, he is definitely... No, they did that last year. They did go to the conference finals last year, right? They did. They did. And I I think, you know, without... Huh, boy, this is a tough one because I, you look at this team and they have all the right pieces, right? You should say... You know, looking at all the other teams around them, too, you should say that, hey, Winnipeg has a good shot to get there, right? I think they were very patient with Paul Maurice early on, right? There were plenty of times where you would have probably looked at the Winnipeg Jets and say, hey, they, they just haven't progressed. They haven't gotten there yet when they first started this this franchise. And and by started this franchise, I mean when they, you know, brought them back. Um, right. You know, I just... I, I think it's he is the second longest tenured coach right now in the NHL behind John Cooper and yes he's been there Dan- since 2014. He yes. was he remember and he was uh, he was replaced Claude Noel. Uh, yes, <laughs> who was he was their first coach, and then in in came Maurice. So yeah, and I I think they were very patient with him early on, and it's it's paid off in the terms of now you have a team here over the last couple seasons where you look and you say they should be contenders. For to make it to the Stanley Cup Finals, and I, I think right now you you do need a Winnipeg team that can go the distance, and I think making it to the conference finals would be enough to say, hey, okay, good, we know this is good enough. You know, we just want to get some of our our younger guys to develop, and by younger guys, I mean Line. A, you need him to take another step. You need Hollabuck to continue to grow a little bit more, and then you want your depth guys to develop. You know, and so I think if they can get that far in the playoffs, I I think he's safe. But however, if they you know, if they make it to the second round and maybe push six, seven games and make a series out of it, maybe against, you know, right with Nashville, it's going to be against Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's probably a 20% chance that he would get fired in the off season, maybe less than that, maybe 10. But, um, to me, I I think, you know, he's got to go, go far in the second round, if not make it to the third round. Did you see the athletics player poll? Did you see that out there? I did not see it yet. No. Uh, they listed one of the questions was who's the most overrated player in the league, and the uh, I I think he was either the number one or the number two was Patrick Laine. Oh wow! According to according to two hundred players in the NHL, so wow. I, I don't know what that I don't know what to make of that necessarily, other than the fact that it seems to me that Laine needs someone else. Laine isn't good on his own. He he's not Ovechkin. Like Ovechkin no. could create things on his own, uh, whereas Line hasn't had that same high end level of creating his own space. And you know he he needs somebody who can who can f- get him space so that he can maneuver and and take that shot. I mean he has a wicked shot that he is he still has you know top ten shot in the league. Uh, I just don't know if he's as high end as he's been pumped. Yeah, I would probably agree with you, and I think we've we've sort of noticed it a lot more this season because he hasn't seen a good center with him. You know, no knock on Brian Little, I I still think he's a very capable center, but I don't think he is the type of center 
that's going to be able to help Patrick Laine grow. And I, I, you look at it lately, right? They they moved Patrick Laine up on that first line with Shifley and Wheeler, and he started to play a lot better, right? He hasn't been, you know, as goal-ridden as he has been, you know, over the last couple of months. And, you know, I, I think that would kind of, you know, be evidence to your argument that he does need a quality center to play with. Because he's not a Patrick Kane. He's not an Ovechkin, like you said. That's, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking of Patrick Kane. Even Ovechkin, you could make the argument that he needs Backstrom or Kuznetsov. But Patrick Kane, I mean, he has played with seemingly everyone from Nick Schmaltz to, you know. It's, Artem and Nisimov, give, I mean. give him whatever center you want. He's going to make everyone better, uh, right. which, which I think starts with a certain attitude that he has. He just has this swagger about him. Uh, Patrick Laine just looks like a homeless bum. With, you know, <laughs> that, well, especially when he had that beard, uh, and it, so yeah, I, I do think I, I don't think that Paul Maurice will get fired in this offseason, even if Winnipeg lost in the first round to to Dallas or something like that, or, or they lost to Minnesota, or you know, may, may, that that might be you know people be questioning. You know what could happen? Oh, I just noticed this. You know what could happen? The Arizona Coyotes. Before this, this will be the last thing we talk about for the show. Um, Arizona Coyotes right now are. 8-2-0 in their last 10. They've won six in a row, 69 points. They've got a game in hand on the Wild. And if they, they win their next game and uh, they'll they'll be tied in points, they, they don't have the overtime, regulation overtime win tiebreaker. But, I mean, the Arizona Coyotes are knocking on the door. Can you imagine Arizona against Winnipeg in the first round? That would be a fantastic first round. That would be fun. That would be fun. And- and I'm hearing too that Auntie Ratna could be healthy to return by playoff time. We don't need him. Well, I mean, we. They, they I'm talking we, about it like I'm. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't seem like they need him right now. I mean, come on, you've won six in a row. Dude, they're fa- so. they're fast. I mean, I just yes, I just know uh, I haven't watched them that much this year. Watching them against the Leafs, I mean, the Leafs couldn't handle it. like they they couldn't handle their forecheck. I don't think they were expecting the forecheck that they saw. Uh, and so yeah, I mean, Arizona is the team that. Could, could catch some teams by surprise. Although I will say this, the Minnesota-Nashville game last night was fantastic. There, there was a, a lot of uh, very exciting moments in that game. And, I mean, and it ends in a shootout, Nashville winning, but uh, it, it, could, it was really anyone's game in that one. So Minnesota kind of turning a corner, 5-3-2 in their last 10, maybe getting some, getting some of those faces out and bringing in new ones. Kevin Fiala actually looked pretty good. Made a nice move in the slot to to open up and have a a nice opportunity. He didn't score, but he's looking better and creating chances. And so maybe Minnesota kind of turns a corner here and and finds them their way back into it. Uh, and Bruce Boudreau saves his job. Who knows? Oh. Any any final thoughts before we sign off? Uh, I'm with you though. I would love to see Jack Hughes here in Detroit, like you mentioned, and not because the Wings are my team, but because I think because. The Toronto Maple Leafs, their proximity to Detroit and having a superstar like Jack Hughes go up against Austin Matthews for another decade would be fantastic. Right. I mean, and, and you're you're actually looking at Matthews, Eichel, and Hughes, all American-born players, all in the same division. They could play each other in the playoffs. There's, there's a lot of good that could happen there. Absolutely. All right. Well, Justin, I will talk to you soon. And as our... Uh, Loyal listener, we appreciate you listening. Hit us up on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. We, uh, it sounded like I was telling you 
Justin. Right. Hit it. I, <laughs> I, I meant you as in the listener. You know, I'm I'm trying to be extra personal, not say you guys. You know, that's just it's. I'd rather talk to people. You know, and so uh, you as our listener, we we appreciate you and uh, keep on listening. Share the show and make sure to subscribe if you're not already. And we will talk to you guys later in the week. Enjoy some hockey.